Welcome to Identity Church Sunday Morning Message, where sonship is revealed. Stay tuned at the end of this message to receive more information about resources available through Identity Church. Now grab your Bible, sit back, and enjoy a message from Identity Church that is already in progress. Um, listen, um, I just, I really, I feel the prophet side of me today. Which means I'm gonna. I'm, I feel like I'm carrying something for the house. I'm carrying something for the region, um, and I really, I really want uh, those that aren't here that aren't watching. Uh, I want this recorded to where I can put it to uh, make sure all of our leaders and elders get it. But the significant on what I'm, I believe God is doing right now, and the significance is it must be bathed in prayer. What we're doing as a house, the the prayer ministry has to come up, and 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 we have to engage with that. I want Karen to come share um, briefly what's on her heart, what God is putting. We've got a couple things that we're putting in place uh, to start affecting the region because it's time to quit being a little hole in the wall church. And and I've never felt. Um, uh, inadequate being what we are, but I think it's time to come out and, and broaden our horizon. Miss Karen, let me get you a microphone. So my initial intention was to share with you about the sacred assembly we're planning here at the church on August 30th at 7 o'clock. It's a Sunday evening. We're asking everyone to please come. There'll be an open mic for prayer. The focus is our personal selves, our ministries, this church, and also the nation. Uh, We are going to be using the guidelines from Patricia King's ministry called Firewall USA. It's a prayer movement. It started many months ago. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It was praying into uh, God's plan and purpose for our nation. For ourselves also, it's 12 prayer points and 12 decrees. They're on the back table next to the communion. I'm asking that you please take one away with you today so that you could spend from now until August 30th beginning to prepare yourself personally. We are entering into a season that's been prophesied over, prophesied into, It's uh, a season that the Lord is very um, interested in. It's the season of tabernacles. It's the season of Yom Kippur. It's a season of repentance. There's many ministries across the nation that are uh, calling out an alarm, sounding the alarm for this time. People like James Kahn, uh, Jonathan Kahn, who's calling for a million-person March on the Mall in Washington, D.C. It's actually going on right now. Uh, There are people like Dutch Sheets and Cindy Jacobs and many others, including Patricia King and every uh, a lot of big voices, including our voice here at Identity Church. We might be a little tiny church, but we have a big voice because we are part of the Ecclesia And we have the authority of the Lord to decree and proclaim, declare, and to bring the kingdom to this earth. That's what Jesus said on earth as it is in heaven. And so we're doing our best to focus on his heart 
and pull down out of the heavens what he is saying needs to happen right now. He's a God of the now. Yes, he's a God of the past, and yes, he's a God of the future, but he is doing something now, and we have to wake up and see what he is doing right now. When I was in the prayer room this morning with the ladies and with Mr. Ken. Uh, the Lord put on my heart two prophetic words that were spoken over this house back in 2016 with regard to prayer, with regard to engaging, not just with what is happening in the vision of the house and the, that paradigm and what it looks like, but what is happening around the world in the body of Christ and how it is important for us to shake off the dust and become the daughters of Zion, the watchmen's of the watchmen of the Lord, to see what is happening. We have this authority, and we are not using it. So this word is from March of 2016. The first word in the word is awaken, and that's what Rodney was alluding to in that scripture. We need to wake up. It says, for destruction is coming. I mean, look at us. We're in the middle of a virus that's crippling everything about this nation. This was Wednesday, March 23rd, 2016. Awaken, for destruction is coming. Awaken, trim your lamps. The Lord is looking for intimacy. That's what we were singing about today. That's what Rodney was talking about today. Awaken out of your slumber. Well, gee whiz, that's telling me we must be asleep. If the Lord is saying, hey, wake up, wake out of your slumber. Awaken because the king is coming and he is dressed in his battle attire. Awaken to the sound of his thunder and take your place in the battalion of God. Awaken righteousness. Awaken joy, awaken Holy Spirit within each one. The kingdom of God is coming. He is here. And it's the eyes and the ears that Stephanie was singing about. We need to begin to see into the realm that we have authority over in. We have to begin to see, see beyond our little messes in our homes or in our families or whatever, we have to begin to see. God is showing us something. He wants to show. It is there for us to see. We're just not looking. And how many times have we been given the word in our church about 2020? 2020 is the year that our church will begin to see 2020. But here we are. September is approaching. Eight months have gone by. Have we really seen what we what God believes we are capable of. Have we walked in it? Here's another prophetic word. This one was spoken over Pastor Charlie, May 12, 2016, by Bill Vanderbush in this church on an evening. I think it was like a Thursday evening he came to bring a teaching to us. And this is so, so important. It's so important. And because I, I, a little bit of what he's saying, I mean, I just, what he's going to be sharing today. There is a sound. Now, when the word was given to Pastor Charlie, yes, he is the head man in this place. He is the head pastor. But we know 
spiritually and scripturally it's proven that what's brought to the head trickles down onto the body to each one in psalms 133 it says even to the end of the robe of aaron to the bottom to the to the bottom if you think you're a bottom feeder in this house you're still going to get it doesn't matter whether you know you have this uh ascending ministry like uh uh, Terry was talking about it in the prayer room. It doesn't matter where you're at on the ladder. It makes no difference because this is coming for you too. There is a sound coming from you. That means you, you, me, Charlie, everybody. There's a sound coming from you, a sound will, that will go to the nations and it will shake the nations. This is something that's happening now. Your voice is not meant to be silent. And that's what Pastor Charlie was talking about last Sunday, about intentional evangelism. Your voice is not meant to be silent. It will lay a foundation on which others will build. That's how important our words are. That is how important our proclamations are, our decrees are. It lays a foundation for others. Your voice is not meant to be silent. What God is showing me is huge. I don't even know how to describe it. And he goes on to say, pray for your pastor. Pray. Prayer is the foundation of everything. Everything. Okay. The title of this message is Seven Dunks in a Muddy River. Seven Dunks in a Mighty River. In a Muddy River. And if you do it right, it'll turn into a mighty river. But you've got to be willing to get muddy. <clears throat> I want to start this message by giving you a definition of the word miracle. An event that transcends human ability and the law of nature. A divine intervention by God into human circumstances. The word miracle comes from a Latin word, M-I-R-A-R-I, which means to wonder. When you walk away from a situation and you just have a wonder in your heart, did, did God get involved with that? That's a miracle. If it's a healing or, 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 or divine connection or a 20-year-old promise, I don't care what, that's a miracle. I've experienced several miracles this week. I needed some miracles this week. I've, I've been sitting back going, I've been doing what I've been doing for years, but you put some things in me 20 years ago I haven't seen. I want to know why. Have I, re, have, have, I, have I messed it up? Do I need to repent? Do I need to fix it? Do I need to find another key, another seven points to glory? I don't know. You know, when, when you're desperate for the promise from God, you'll, you'll figure out seven keys to victory. Be nice to your wife three times a day. I don't know. Whatever it takes. But sometimes it's, it's our own blockages. I'm preaching this message in a place of humility because I've seen a miracle. And it's not bragging when you're proud that you obeyed in the dark when no one knew. And God shows up. That's not pride. That makes me wonder what I've missed because I finally got it. How many did I miss because of my attitude or my anger or my resistance or my disobedience? 
So let me brag on a few times I didn't. You, you get this. <clears throat> See, a miracle is, is when you can't do the math. When you can't do the math, this doesn't add up in the natural. Anybody had some of those? How many got some that you haven't seen yet? That when it shows up, you can't do the math. 20 plus years ago, I was in New York doing what I do, digging up old wells of revival and repenting for people's sins and doing what I did and got in trouble and got killed, got murdered and felt useless. I was driving back to the Buffalo airport and I was, uh, I was crying to the point I couldn't drive. Felt like I had ruined everything I had worked for. I did some stupid things and told, by the way, it was accurate. It just don't have to be an ass about it. There's there. That's repentance. I sat, I, I couldn't drive. I pulled over into a parking lot of a church about seven miles, five to seven miles away from the Buffalo airport. Pulled in the parking lot of the church. The sign of the church, the church's name was Lovejoy. And I sat there and cried. You can't use me anymore. I've ruined years of effort. I've ruined years of relationship. I am unusable. I've blown it. My anger got the best of me. My accuracy of my gift made it worse. Because, you know, if you really want to hurt somebody, don't lie about them because they'll just call you a liar. Tell the truth with a knife. The worst thing is to use the truth to hurt somebody. There's my own repentance. I feel better already. I sat there in that parking lot. The Lord showed up and he, I went into a vision. And he says, when you learn the name of this church, love, joy, then I can use you again. I went into a vision. I saw a group of men on the platform of that church. We were doing a conference. I was one of them, and I was teaching about how I had fallen and I had broken my wings. And as a prophet, an eagle with a broken wing is useless. But I was sharing how God gave me back the strength in my wings. Papa Jack was there, and I knew who he was. I had met him, but he had not been my spiritual father yet. And there was four or five other people who I had not, did not know, and I can tell you that they were my spiritual brothers, Brian Higby's Rusty uh, Owens, which I had met him, so I knew who he was. And then there was a man on the left-hand side who preached a message about he, the therapy that he had to go through, and God had to heal the strength in his leg, and where he was using Jacob, where his strength of his leg, he had the broken hip because God had to break his hip. I didn't know who that man was. But God had these group of powerful people, and I was part of them sharing about my broken wing and how God healed it. It was 20 plus years ago. A couple of years after that event, licking my wounds, going to conferences, the man who preached about the leg, the weakness of his leg, was in that meeting, and I recognized him. He was a local famous pastor. And I've waited 18 years to have a relationship with him. 
when you can wait 18 years and it happens, you walk away with wonder. You realize it's a miracle. Only God could give you a promise that long. Only God could say you would be in a relationship. Only God would say, I have a plan and a purpose for you when you have no clue how you're going to do it. So if you're sitting here today needing a miracle, ask yourself, are there there circumstances in my life that has been rearing its ugly head? Do you need a miracle in your marriage? Do you need a miracle in your finances? Do you need a touch in your body? If you are a candidate for a miracle, let me give you a little godly advice with a redneck flavor. Take seven dumps in a muddy river. I'm suggesting that you take a spiritual journey similar to the one that a certain leper took. Although this biblical account took place thousands of years ago, the principle discussed are very relevant today, as they were for Naaman. As this account unfolded, I'm going to read 2 Kings chapter 5, 1 through 14. As I put this message together, it's very personal to me. I don't know if you know I'm married to a, a woman. That we pray once in a while together. Not a lot, because it's always trouble to pray with her. And I thought I had this down pat. So I could preach it today to all the sinners that need to get saved. I'm bragging about having a miracle. I'm bragging to my wife about when it was difficult to obey, and I did. And she says, how come you can get your miracles, but you can't even pray to fix our family? See, she didn't say much today, but she said a lot in the past to where all of those words, how come you can't get into the courts of heaven and fix our family? How come I can't see my grandbabies? How come da 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 I heard, she's nags. Nag, 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 nag. She's not wrong. How come I can move the hand of God and people get healed? How come I can move the hand of God and, and speak life into situations, but I can't even fix this thing in my own stinking family? You want to know what came up? I said, because I hate her. I'm angry. I'm resentful. And I can't change the situation. And I said, I can't. And I, 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 she's driving. She's driving. I'm riding around like Miss Daisy. I realize I can't pray for a miracle for someone I hate. And I know that enough to tell her. She's been, what? how come you won't pray? How come you won't do that? And the bottom line is on the way here today, I realized I know that maybe, I'm just going to be honest, I won't pray with someone I hate. That breaks the principles of God. So I just tolerate the crap in my family because there's crap in my heart. Oh, so who still needs a miracle? Okay, we still need miracles? All right, I got a few more on my list. Susie put three on there today. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 5, 1 through 14. <clears throat> Naaman, commander of the armor army of the king of Syria, say Syria, you know, they were the enemies of God, 
in the enemies of Israel, was a great man with his master and in high favor. Say favor. Because of him, the Lord, the Lord had given victory to Syria. How many times in your Christian kumbaya has God let your enemy have a victory over you and it was his will? Oh, that just screws up your Christian kumbaya, don't it? He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Say leper. You can be a mighty man and still be a leper. So when my wife pushes me, how come you can't pray? Because I'm a mighty man. I can pray for you, you. I can pray the heavens here. But I'm still a leper on the inside when I when it came out of my mouth. I can't pray for someone I hate. Oh, that's a really strong word. Let me tell you what hatred is. Hatred is is what love is not. And when you're not loving, you might as well just go ahead and say the word, I hate. I haven't been loving. I haven't been kind. I haven't been patient. I'm ticked off. I'm pissed off, and I want revenge. Ha, now, Susie, you know why I don't pray. But I, I'm a miracle man. <laughs> Now the Syrians, now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a young girl from the land of Israel, say POW. And she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Verse 4. So Naaman went in and told his Lord. Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Now go, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. An enemy nation king is sending a letter with one of his favorite servants to Israel's king. You get this? Oh, and we're supposed to pull down the gates of hell. That's how powerful we are. We won't even talk to the kings of our enemies. Because we hate them. Forgot my place. So he went, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, 10 changes of clothes, and he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive, that this man sends word to me to cure a man of leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. Sometimes when people come to us Christians because they have leprosy, they have hard hearts, they have anger issues, they can't do it, we think they're picking a fight. Verse 8, when Elijah, the man of God, heard the king of Israel had tore his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let me come now. Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses, chariots, and stood at the door of Elijah's house. And Elijah sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. Say, you shall be clean. Did you notice he sent a messenger to say it? You're going to find authority structures all through this. <laughs> but Naaman was angry and went away saying, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand above, 
stand and call upon the name of, of the Lord his God and wave his hands over the place and cure the leprosy. Are not Arbana and, and, and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? Hmm. We'll, we'll get to that. So he turned away and went enraged. But a servant came near and said to him, My father, I caught something. My father, a servant came to his master and said, My father, the father-son paradigm works. When the father understands, sometimes the son has wisdom you need to hear. It is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Just say do it. And not a Nike. Not a Nike do it. Has he actually said to you, wash and be cleaned? The prophet said, wash and be clean. So he went down, dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a child. Say child. And he was clean. Have you ever noticed when the devil brings you to the highest point of success that there's always a rotten fish in the bottom of your treasure chest? You want me to read that again? Have you ever noticed when the devil brings you to the highest point of success that there's always a rotten fish in the bottom of your treasure chest? That is exactly what happened to Naaman in these verses. He had been elevated to the captain of the king's army. He had social standing. He had financial prosperity. He had reputation, but he was still a leper. His flesh was literally rotting off his body. Satan's ultimate goal is to kill you. Satan's plan is to kill all of us, to steal, kill, and destroy. Naaman heard that there was healing through the God of Israel. He did not waste any time in getting a letter of recommendation and presenting himself to the prophet of Israel. Listen, a man of authority must be under authority. There is lawlessness in this nation right now, and nobody wants to submit to authority, not even in the church most of the time. Because we've been abused by authority. Because, oh, did, you want the list? You want the excuse list? I got it. I wrote most of it. If you want to be a man of authority, you must come under authority. And sometimes the authority God will put you in, you'll think is from the army of your enemy. Why? Because he's got to get something out of you. Naaman wanted to know what he had to do in order to be healed. The answer was very simple. You had to go dunk in the Jordan River seven times. Was that the instructions? How many times do we get instructions and then we don't do it, and then we bellyache for 20 years? I've often wondered why we have such a hard time doing what the Lord tells us to do. It is not God's desire to make us do things that are almost impossible. Listen to me. God would not be fair if everything he asked me to do was close to impossible. That's not, that's not God. God has never made his way hard, difficult, or, 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 or uninvolved. In fact, his way is as simple as it was to take the gift of salvation. 
His instruction to Naaman was simple. Go dip in the Jordan River seven times. I can hear Naaman saying, <clears throat> saying like a lot of us, but why? Why does it matter why are we required to do this? I'm telling you, simple obedience is the answer to the key to your miracle. Here is Naaman with a disease that will kill him, and he begins to make excuses. But the river is dirty. I know that many other rivers are cleaner. We all know the Jordan River has been a sewage dump, but that doesn't matter. When God speaks, we must obey. We have heard many say, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do. The problem is he heard you say it, and he took you at your word. When I first started this church, I made a public declaration that its purpose and what its purpose was within the region. I declared that in order to go anywhere in the, with the Lord, we must be servants and begin serving at a regional level. We must serve other pastors. We must become the prophetic voice. We must know how to cover the broken, the dirty, and the unusable, or we will not be usable. I declared that in 2008. The Lord took me at my word, and he's been testing me. I've been asked to do some tasks that, may not, that I may not have wanted to do. But I learned the key to ministry is a servant's heart. I could make all kinds of excuses. I could. I have two businesses to run. I have bad knees. I have other things. I'm married. If I choose to make excuses instead of putting in practice what I preach, then I have made myself a hypocrite. And so have you. That vision in New York 20 plus years ago has become a roadmap for my life. And I have, for the, one of the few times, been very patient and watching it unfold. I found out who this guy was, Brian Higby. I found out who this guy, this guy, this guy. Found out who this one guy was, but I, but I knew the relationship wasn't ready because my plan and purpose was to affect this region. I have a vision of New York, Florida, Ohio area, Seattle, and Dallas. Those are the five regions that I personally am supposed to engage in and bring kingdom revelation to through relationship. So New York, I had established. I thought I had blown it when I got the vision, but I, I, I recovered that. Florida, Ohio's going good. Yeah, some Texans need to get a little nicer to me, although I do have some invites. What am I telling you? God has a plan. And, and if we're not careful, we will abort the plan because we won't obey the small things. You've got to be obedient. The first dunk that Naaman did in the Jordan River produced obedience in the life of Naaman. Naaman struggled with the issue of obedience, but the Lord says that Naaman went down and dipped himself seven times according to the saying of the man of God. Naaman's obedience to the word of the prophet of God, and he chose to obey the word of God. This is important because if we do not receive the word from the man of God or from God himself, 
We will not receive anything from God. Here's my problem with so many people. Oh, I heard God. I don't need to hear you. I don't need to submit to you. Really? You are, you, you're, you're a double-minded person who won't submit to authority and you only hear God for yourself. Let me tell you something to God I hear. God told me to submit to crazy leaders, mean leaders. Some of them went to jail and he did it to get something out of me. It was like going to trust God in the process or shoot the mess, shoot the preachers, shoot the leaders. Because if you don't pass that test, God won't protect you when you are one. That's good preaching, ain't it, Ron? Children, obey your parents. So God doesn't kill you at a young age. My version. Do you want life to go well with you? Honor your mother and your father, even if they're idiots. And they could be. And don't be looking at your mom and dad. That whole row of kids was going, yes, get them. I will defend you, Ron. Listen. The first dunk produced obedience in Naaman to God's delegated authority. If you don't find your delegated authority, you will be a loose cannon and you will not fulfill the very promises of God. Listen, after Naaman came up out of the muddy water after the first dunk, the devil was waiting for him. This is not going to work, Naaman. You're being a fool. Look at yourself. The leprosy is still there. These muddy waters will probably give you more diseases than the ones you already got. Unbelief will always tell you that God's way is impossible. That man, that man in the vision that talked about his weak leg and his broken hip and how God healed him had a moral failure. He had a big church. If I mentioned his name, you'd know exactly who he is. He failed, lost his building, lost his ministry. Salvaged his wife, salvaged his kids. Got to give him credit, man. That was nine years ago. I've waited. When were you going to open this door of relationship between him and me? And then that happens. Let me say something to you. How many read scriptures and will say, I am the remnant of God? I'm the remnant. I'm that little group that God's going to hide while all hell breaks loose. And then he's going to anoint us and we're going to break out and do all the miracles. Have you ever felt like, I know I'm the remnant. I'm, I'm qualified to be the remnant. I did. I felt like I was qualified to be the remnant. Part of that chosen group, that hidden special forces. Then pick a fight just because you're bored. You kick the devil's butt because you're bored. Get someone saved. Lay hands on the sick that don't even know they're sick yet. That that's outrimit. Let me tell you something. If if you if you miss the delegated authority that God spoke to the prophet and gave him instructions, delegated authority, then you're going to miss the fact that he will tell you to submit to a fallen leader and become his remnant. And that is your qualification to be God's remnant. There's so many of us 
have been around fallen leaders and we've turned on them. We've gossiped about them. We've lied about them. We've wanted to see them burn in hell. And we have disqualified ourselves because we won't be the man's remnant. And God won't use us to be his remnant. This building sat vacant. His building did. Through an interesting course of events, I was there with a real estate agent and one of my elders. No power in the building. Flashlights, the whole nine yards. I go into the green room. In the bathroom off to the green room, the sewage had backed up. Here it's a church building that developers wanted to buy it, and God said, I want you to clean that. Excuse me, that's poop. Clean it. The real estate person didn't want me to see it. She saw it first, but then I, I went there. I actually propped the door of the building open so I could come back later and clean it. I heard God. I know what God said. Who signs up to clean poop? Huh? That's just a thought I didn't have earlier. Mothers. <laughs> Pastors, because some of you still are in diapers. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I was good. That, that depends. <laughs> if you're older, it's a big diaper. Anyway, stop, Rodney. So I propped the door open, and, and, and I, I made a conscious decision to come back. And I was going to go and not let you – know, I mean, I had uh, battery-operated lights. I had water. I had stuff to clean. And, and I was just going to do it privately. But the Holy Spirit said to me, do you want to go to jail? I wasn't planning on it. That's trespassing. Call the real estate person. Tell her what you're doing. This person was part of that ministry when it collapsed. She was blown away. You're going to do what? Because she didn't realize I saw it. So she shows up with her bleach and her Clorox, and she was she was saying something to me. She says, "I can't. You didn't. You didn't even wear the gloves I brought you." I said, "Poop don't stay in these hands. I'm not afraid of poop." And I cleaned the mess, and we prayed over that building. We prayed over that land, and we rededicated it to the original dedication that it was God's. And a church bought it, and it's a church today. Second dunk. Naaman heard every word of unbelief that the devil had, but he had chose to dip the second time, washing away his unbelief as he had went under. I'm sure that Naaman expected special treatment from the prophet of God because of his status in life. He noticed in early Christian walk, I noticed in my early Christian walk that every big, powerful prophet and preacher would give me a word from the pulpit. It made me special. It made me feel called by God for years and years. But after a while, it stopped. I had to grow up. I'm not putting down... I'm not putting down the fact that many times we need a prophecy from an outside source to know that God still has called us. I'm not putting that down. I've needed it. 
But when you get a ref- revelation, all you need to do is to get a touch from God and things will happen. Just do it. I'm sure Naaman was so puffed up with his self-importance that he thought God would heal him because of his ranking. Last thing that Naaman expected was to have the prophet send a messenger instead of speaking to him personally. The third dunk peels away his pride. I can hear Naaman saying, I'm the captain of the host of of Assyria. Elisha was not impressed with Nathan's glitter. No true man or woman of God is moved by the glitter of this world. Elisha could have delivered this message himself, but he followed God's order. God knew that the first and most essential step for salvation is humility. Elisha also had the audacity to make Naaman wait. (laughs) I've heard many people say, I'm tired of waiting on God. Listen, let me explain something to you about waiting on God. It's not a wait of time. Waiting on God is proof that we trust him. Naaman's pride almost cost him his healing. He wanted the prophet to honor his status in life, but Naaman humbled himself, and the third dunk peeled away his pride. The fourth dunk. The thing that almost robbed Naaman was that miracle was his anger. The prophet of God sent word to him that he could dip in the Jordan River seven times and he would be healed. Now, that's good news, isn't it? But look at the scripture again in the verse 11. But Naaman was, was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me, honoring my position, and stand and call on the name of his Lord and strike his hand over the place and recover the leprosy. Naaman was wroth. It means he was full of rage because Elisha didn't put his hand over the leprous spots and call out to God. We all have been have had preconceived ideals on how this thing should work. We have preconceived ideals how God's, I had, let me make it about me because it's about me this today, the good, the bad, and the poop. I had preconceived ideas how God was going to make all these connections. And so do you. And he was mad that Elijah changed his script. <laughs> How many times has your leader, your pastor, your, 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 your spiritual authority changes the script on you and you're mad because you can't rewrite the script now? That's a good word right there. I probably can understand naming better than a lot of people because I'm a recovering bomb addict, anger addict, and, and quick-tempered. I have become healed in these areas, but I was an anger man. When I got crossed, when I felt like I was cornered, anger was my defense mechanism and quick-tempered. I had a short fuse, but God has pulled that out of me. It's a trait that can get you killed if you're not careful. It can also make you miss your own miracle. Anger will blind you to what is best for you. I know this from experience. There have been many times where I've been so angry and then hurt that I was blind to what was going on. I put on Facebook yesterday 
I couldn't get healed because I was pretending that I wasn't hurt. Many times over the years, just about when I was at the boiling point, someone would come and ask me to pray for them. I had to first pray for myself and ask the Lord to forgive me for wanting to beat my children to a bloody pulp. It's, it's right. It's right then you got to choose to take your fourth dip in the muddy river. But the fourth dip removes your anger. Nathan needed a miracle touch. But look at verse 12. Are not Arbana and, and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be cleaned? So he turned away in rage. See, you want to dip in pure water because you think it's the water and not the obedience. Naaman was not just ticked off. He went away in rage. Think about it. He's traveled all the way from Syria to receive his healing and went away in a rage. Naaman's servants reasoned with Naaman, and finally he dunked himself in the Jordan the fourth time and removed his anger. Naaman was getting real close to his miracle, and Satan knew knew it, so he pulled out the oldest trick in mankind. It is perhaps the most powerful and lethal weapon in the enemy's arsenal. The weapon is known as evil questioning. Whenever we fail, fall into a rut of questioning God, we are, we are in reality, we are calling God a liar. This is the very weapon Satan used in the garden, and it worked for him there, and it still works today. Ever since this tactic works in the garden, the devil continues to convince people that God lies. His methods cannot be understood when, we, when they are outlined, when they're outlined through the family tree of deceit. I pulled this up from a message that Jesse Duplantis gave. This is an illustration of that family tree of deceit. Here's what he said. He said it started with the marriage of Mr. Human Reasoning to Mrs. Sin. They had a child, and his name was Evil Questioning, but goes under the name of Honest Inquiry who then married Miss No Hope, the daughter of Old Dark, who died and was raised by, by a brother named Fargrave. Are you following me so far? Now, that couple later produced three children called Mr. Doubt, Mr. Live by Feelings, and Mr. Wrong Thoughts. This entire family lives in the town called Man's Soul. This family is always denying the power of God and continually chips away at his promises. There's your family tree of deceit. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You've heard it before many times. You were healed. If you were healed, you would not be hurting anymore. Your family will starve by the end of the month if you write that tithe check. If faith worked that good, brother or sister in Christ would have not have died. Sure, the Bible said to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He didn't really mean that to you. That's for the evangelist. And we water down the commandments of God. 
Evil questioning chips away at your faith one piece at a time. Naaman took one look at the River Jordan, and those evil questions went into overdrive. Why didn't God send me to the clean rivers of Syria? Why would God want me to put my diseased body in muddy water? After all, I've already dipped four times. I should have been healed by now. Do you know what Naaman did? He did the same thing that you and I must do when we're looking for the miracle in our life. He submitted himself to God, silenced the evil questioning. Then he dunked himself for the fifth time. The fifth dunk. When Naaman came out of the water for the fifth time, he had leprosy. But five other times, he had invaded his body Things had invaded his body and had been washed away. He had been cleansed of sins of disobedience, unbelief, pride, anger, and evil questioning. It was a free man who rose up through these murky waters. He looked around at the crowd on the shore and made a startling discovery. He didn't care what they thought. We must get to the place where we are free enough to not care what others think. Nathan just wanted to know this God of Israel. He would have dipped a hundred more times if the Lord had asked him to, because he wanted to know him. When Naaman arrived on the banks of the Jordan that day, he had glittered with the world's gold. The sixth dunk. But when he dove back into the waters for the sixth time, a seed was sown in his soul. What was the seed? Character. He wasn't the shallow man who presented himself to Elijah's house that morning. Sure, he still had leprosy on his limbs, but his soul has prospered. That seed responded to the light grew a stalk, added a leaf, and finally flowered a full-blown character. The sixth dip will produce character in us as well. I had lunch with this man that was in that vision 20-plus years ago on Friday. I told him about the vision, that after two years of that vision, I figured out it was him. And I told him that he was preaching on strengthening his leg and his hip And you were giving broken people hope that you could be strong even if you've had a failure. He starts weeping. His first message he preached after his failure in the pulpit, he preached on the limp of Jacob. He said, don't trust a man without a limp because he hasn't been broken by God. How could God do that 20 years ago? That's a miracle. The facts came into fruition. Why? Because we're supposed to have a relationship. He's still got a purpose in the region. I still have a purpose in the region. It's about divine connection. He asked me what I did in New York. And I said, well, I redug old revival wells. And I repented for sins and sloppiness in the church. 
He says, I met with a real estate agent lady who used to be part of my church. I met with her two hours yesterday. She thought I was mad at her. I didn't think she liked me. La, la, la. And we sat for two hours. She told me about a local pastor who came and cleaned up a mess in the bathroom of our green room. He said, can you imagine how God sends somebody I don't know to clean up my mess? I said, you don't know who that is? He said, no, she just said a local pastor. I said, oh, so you were talking to, and I named her. And he went, how do you know her? I'm like, I'm that pastor. I'm that pastor. I've, I've been basking. Dude, I, you can't do the math on that. You can't do the math on that. And all the question, God, why'd you make me go clean poop? And not even, she would, I wouldn't even, he told me not to put the gloves on. She, she gave me gloves. She brought me Clorox. God said, no, use your bare hands. Why did you make me clean up raw sewage? Do you, do you think I didn't have this going on in my head? I thought I was a prophet. I am. And I am a prophet. Sometimes you got to clean up someone's mess. Even when they don't know it. But God, I mean, I, I've been kind of, this is a miracle. You can't do the math on it. God, why did it, why did it take so long? You didn't take the six dumps. You didn't have the character. You didn't have the character. But now you do. The seventh dunk. The afternoon sunlight shone, shined on the leper sores on Naaman's body. When he dunked under the water for the seventh time, there were no healing properties in the muddy water. It was obedience to God's command that brought Naaman's wounds into contact with the living water. According to the Bible, Naaman rose out of the Jordan River with skin as clean as, and healthy as a child. That's my innocence message. He come as a child. You're innocent as a child. It's important to notice that the, the outer healing was the very last touch from the master. God has to clean your heart first. Demon, uh, Naaman did not hop into his chariot and ride back to Syria to show off to his friends. He was robed in humility, and he returned to Elijah. The seventh dunk in the Jordan Grew gratitude. Naaman's pride, anger, unbelief, and evil questioning were gone. But obedience, character, and gratitude showed up. Naaman said to Elijah, I want to thank you. He was so grateful that he had presented to the what he presented to the prophet ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Please read through this and take a note that Elijah refused to accept any gift because he knew that by accepting them, he would be com compromising God's plan. 
Naaman would have went back to the Syria healed, but the king would have thought that Naaman paid the prophet for his healing. God wanted Naaman healed to show Syria, the enemy of Israel, that there was one true God. And it was seven dunks in a muddy river. It healed a man and gave God a witness in a hostile nation. Maybe you sit here today in your expectation of a miracle and it has not happened to you. Maybe disobedience, pride, anger, and evil questioning has stopped you from receiving your miracle. You don't need to travel to the banks of the Jordan River. If you're born again and the Spirit of the Lord is in your life, you live under a covenant of God based on the blood of Jesus. You do not have to dip in muddy water. But you may want to take a dip of his blood and let him wash the inside of you. When you come to the seventh time, you will receive the miracle God's desire for you. In closing of this message, in the life of Naaman, the river produced obedience. It washed away unbelief, peeled away pride, removed wrath that was in Naaman's life, and it silenced the evil questioning. When we will step into the river of God, it will produce godly character and cause us once again to become grateful and show gratitude to our wonderful Lord. This can be your day for a miracle, but only if you choose. If you are questioning if this could be you, then it probably is. Pride will hinder you from coming to that river of cleansing. Come and be purified so that the miraculous God and his miracle that he's planned for you can manifest. There's a calling on the house because there's a calling on my life. The broken are coming. The addicted are coming. The called are coming. But because they haven't had the opportunity to dunk themselves seven times in muddy river. They haven't had the opportunities or they've failed the opportunities. They're missing their miracle. I told you in the beginning of this message, this altar would be open today. I'm not here to pray for any of you. I'm here to pray for myself. And I've just witnessed one of the most personal miracles in my life. say it with pride, I say it with humility and because I say it with humility I realize there's more we're not even 12 o'clock so there's another miracle, you want to see a miracle it's 11.51 come and spend some time at the altar
I need to pray some family members that I hate. Finally had the courage this morning to tell her why I don't even pray. Oh, I can pray for everybody else. I couldn't pray for the one who hurt me. I need seven more bucks. Come to the altar. Thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church. To know more about us, go to identitychurch.net, where you'll find resources such as a calendar, media, and upcoming events. You may also download an app for your mobile device from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Then from your mobile device, you can hear our messages, read from the Bible, take notes, connect with us on the social media, and even pay your tithe. Again, thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church.